Welcome to Collector's Corner, the premier NFT art podcast. We help collectors gain and maintain their edge, all while appreciating amazing art. We're excited to help you in your collecting journey. Let's dive in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Collector's Corner. We are doing another episode of Into the Collection, and this time we are going to dive deep into Gazers by Matt Kane. And I'm really excited today because I'm joined by a good friend of mine and who is an expert at Gazers, and he's going to help us walk through this, which, which we really needed. Um, so let's do some quick introductions. I am P. I go by Aston Cloud online on Twitter and Discord. My co-host is Jared. He goes by Jared underscore pause on Twitter and J underscore pause uh, on Discord. And he is the founder of the 8NAP Fund. Uh, Jared actually had a last minute emergency come up. So he's going to try to hop in whenever he can. But we are not the experts today. We are joined by our great friend Vertau, who is at Vertau on Twitter and Discord. And Vertau is a fellow fellow Proof Collective member, as well as a fellow Grailers DAO member. And as I alluded to at the beginning, an expert on gazers. Not, not to put too much pressure on you, Vertau. Uh, just kidding. He's he's honestly phenomenal. And you, you will see that all very soon. But how are you doing today? Hey, I'm really happy to be on the show. I've been listening in to all the other episodes. I'm a fan of the show and really happy to be here. And uh, yeah, kind words. Um, I would uh, I would say I'm, I've kind of learned quite a bit about Gazers from kind of being in the in the Discord and learning from a lot of folks who were there before me. Um, so uh, I've just been helping kind of put together sort of knowledge around it by writing sort of a collector's guide that I did in back in March. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty passionate about this project, so it's uh, gonna be really fun um, joining you guys and talking about it today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and. You know, you're you're being uh, very humble. Uh, this this project is well. First of all, we really appreciate you listening and and supporting the podcast. We're super excited to have you on. You're our first guest, so that is super exciting for us. And with all of our guests, we everyone in this space is a collector. So we love to hear just a little bit about your collecting journey. Maybe you could tell folks when you got involved with NFTs and, and why, and uh, sort of what, what's your style or, or what do you like to collect within the the broad NFT world? Sure. So yeah, I actually started, I kind of joined this space uh, in December of 2021. Um, so not too long ago, it's been, I guess, like nine months now. But I had just kind of started dipping my toes into the, the world of NFT back then. Spent a few hundred dollars tops, uh, nothing nothing too crazy. But then I'd been following uh, Kevin Rose sort of since the early like Web 2.0 days. And I found out about the Proof Collective that way. And I thought that was a that would be a great way to sort of like step in a little bit more, learn about the NFT space, hang out with uh, other like-minded people. So I actually ended up getting uh, a proof pass. I, I didn't make it into the Dutch auction because I was a newbie, <laughs> but I bought like on secondary that same day. So I've been in the collective since the first day, and that's been a really cool sort of learning experience for me. I think Gazers was actually my first big NFT purchase in. In January, actually, uh, that was the kind of my uh, entry into also the the, the gen art space. Um, so I'm actually especially interested, kind of in the in the gen art segment. I think uh, both on the Ethereum and Tezos chains. Um, and so I've been slowly going out and picking up uh, pieces from both like Art Blocks collections as well as like FX Hash. And I think that's 
that's an area that really interests me quite a bit because I'm also a software engineer by profession. And so this kind of intersection of programming and art is actually really fascinating to me. That's kind of what's uh, one of those things that I'm really interested in. Yeah. And I, I mean, kudos to you for becoming an expert in what I think many people consider the most complex and challenging collection out there with gazers. And if you, within two months, created that guide, so you bought it in January and created that guide in March, that's super impressive. And I think speaks to both your, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, in- intellect and ability to quickly get up to speed on this kind of thing on and understand these collections, but also your passion for the space. And uh, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned Tezos and FX Hash. Is there anything in particular over there that interests you or what what's drawing you to that side of the generative art world? I think one thing that's been interesting about uh, Tezos for me is kind of just the, the, the lower barrier to entry. I think it feels like you can be a little more like freeform in some sense about like kind of going and finding like really nice outputs from people and, and being able to sort of like collect those at, at price price points that still feel relatively more accessible. So like uh, in a lot of cases, like with art blocks, like some of the older projects, especially, it's kind of hard to get in now. Um, and what I found with FX hash is that you still have kind of that, that entry point um, for really high quality stuff that you can still get into. Um, and it doesn't feel like you're too late to a trade. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and and uh, I see that Jared is here. Hey, Jay, pause. Uh, we, we we are live. Everything okay? He's giving us a thumbs up. I think there's a, a little bit of noise there. So I'll, I'll, I'll loop him in uh, w- whenever it is appropriate. But I agree with you about FX hash, Vertau. Uh, it, it feels like a ton of experimentation and it's really exciting over there. Although the other side of that coin is it's hard to separate the signal from noise somehow uh, at times, I should say, excuse me. <laughs> And how do you go about doing that? How do you think about where there is value for those pieces that are perhaps at a price point where you you have to start considering that and you can't just uh, buy it willy-nilly? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about the signal-to-noise ratio problem actually that exists. And I've, I've been actually relying on uh, sort of some some of these, like, I guess, relatively newer, like, curation type of things, right? Like... Uh, Tender is actually one of those examples mm-hmm. where I think they do a really good job of like putting together this this curated set of projects um, on their site, um, and those could be what are considered grails, right? Like some of like Zancan's drops, for instance, um, which have been around for a little while, but then also new drops, so they kind of curate both of those aspects. Uh, so that helps to I think filter out a lot of the really great projects from from all of the uh, the other stuff that exists. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Are you seeing anything gazers like over there? <laughs> I think uh, we can ask that. Anything with the sort of detail and depth and complexity in gazers? Not quite the like a like a equivalent parallel. I think this this whole notion of kind of using like time as an artistic medium that gazers does and that sort of that living artwork kind of concept is still feels relatively unique. Like I think even on Ethereum itself. Um, and so, but I think from a just a general quality perspective there's there's still a lot of good stuff on on tesos i think yeah absolutely i think it's hard to for me to honestly find art that i don't like (laughs) you know in a sense that nothing is a zero for me maybe some things i like four out of five but but nothing is a zero and and that's struck me 
uh, where it, it's great. You can enjoy a lot of what you want. Actually, just today, I bought something on Tezos for 1.5 Tez, which is, I think, maybe $2, two, two US dollars. Mm-hmm. And so just being able to do that is is awesome. And it's the last question about you, Vertao, you as a collector. Where do you see things going in the future, whether that's related to the art itself or the way that collectors interact with the art or people becoming curators, anything like that? Do you have any thoughts on how this space might evolve in the next, let's say, two to five years? Yeah, I think the part that actually um, kind of excites me a little bit is the uh, is more of like kind of the the legitimization of the space. So I think in the early days, it felt like there was kind of that same signal to noise sort of problem where you had a lot of projects being launched, like a lot on the PFP side, of course. But then like it was hard for people to sort of discover and, and sift through that, that that noise. And I think we're starting to get to a point where there's a little bit more legitimacy. So you're seeing like a lot of really great Gen art coming up, like art blocks is kind of proven to be sort of that place where you can go and find really, really great curated projects. So th- I think they're actually attracting a, a very different crowd now. Um, we're starting to see like interest from like the traditional art space. Um, there was that whole thing about like MoMA actually thinking about getting into into the space as well. All of those are like really bullish signs, I think, especially for the, the art segment of NFTs, right? And that's, I think, what I'm actually most excited about and, and looking forward to. Yeah, I, I think it's hard to fathom what it could look like if, you know, the MoMA put $70 million into art NFTs and a bunch of large players come in and the whole space grows by, by 10x. I think it's going to be really interesting to see. And... You know, I, I think this is a great segue into Gazers itself. So uh, I'm about to share my screen here. And it's just going to show our DECA gallery. And as usual, uh, with our episodes here, we create a DECA gallery for our deep dives for people who are listening on audio and for people who might want to follow up and use it as a summary. And these galleries are really designed to show you what the differences are between the traits and we highlight those categories and traits where we felt it has had the the largest impact on the aesthetics and also the collectors really rallying around those and uh, the reason i thought this was a great segue into gazers is because there you know it strikes me that we're early right now in the space of generative art especially generative art on the blockchain and as time goes on and as things evolve, I'm very curious to see which collections will stand the test of time. And as I was doing the research for this project, we also had a Twitter Spaces yesterday, and it has changed my thinking a bit on this project. I always thought the aesthetics were great, but the community around it has really rallied. And I find that to be incredibly interesting and something that bodes well for the long-term future of this project. So couple really quick house claiming things. Any disclaimers for this episode? Uh, I do not own any pieces from this uh, collection, Gazers. Of course, Vertao, I assume you do. Is that, is that fair to say? I do, I do. Like I, start, like I said earlier, I started in Jan with one and then it quickly became an addiction. And so now I actually hold five. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you've done well. The prices have, have done well, which, which we'll talk about soon. And uh, Jay Paws, you do not own any. Is that correct? I have owned them in the past, but I do not currently own one. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. So those are the disclaimers. Uh, as with every episode, we'll have timestamps in the show notes so you can jump to the parts that are more or uh, more interesting for you. 
And uh, please like, subscribe, comment, leave reviews. Any feedback you give is wonderful and really beneficial for us. So jumping in, overall sentiment on this collection. Uh, you know, Vertau, we know that you're extremely positive on it, uh, of course, being an expert. So we'll we'll skip over you for this. This is the only question we'll skip you for. But for me, I will say I have always been intrigued and a little bit intimidated by this collection and now am really, really getting into it. I think it's unique and interesting as I've done more research and I'm sure I'll feel even more so that way after speaking with you, Vertau, today. Uh, Jay Paz, do you have any quick thoughts on your overall feeling about gazers? The more I did research into the project, I think the more I had a, a greater appreciation for the technical like detail and just the, the the breadth of code that went into creating this and the timeless nature and foresight associated with everything that I, I had scratched the surface previously, but this made me absolutely floored at the potential timelessness of this project. So I, I think it's incredible. I think it's dynamic and similar sentiment to you. It has always intimidated me with the, the level of complexity, uh, not only in traits, but just the output. And that's why I'm extremely excited to have Vertau here uh, to help guide us through this and really, I'll call it uh, update and educate our listeners. Yes, so, so excited. And, and thank you again for, for coming. So let's jump into background. Uh, so we'd like to start with a little bit of background on the artist, in this case, Matt Kane, as well as some background on uh, the collection, which may pertain to the use of any prior works and inspiration from any prior works that have led to this collection. So, uh, Verta, let me let me throw it over to you. Uh, Matt Kane's history, anything interesting that you found or anything that you want to highlight about Matt? Yeah, sure. So when I actually went in and, and started looking at Gazers initially, um, I, I didn't know a whole lot about Matt either. Um, so it wasn't that I kind of had exposure to some of his earlier works. And 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 this was like one of the newer things I was looking at. It was actually more that this was my first exposure actually to, to Matt's work. Um, but what's interesting is that if you, if you watch the Gazers uh, intro video, Matt actually mentions in that video that in addition to this project being sort of a moon phase calendar inspired project at the surface, it's also sort of a, a self-portrait of sorts, right? And so that kind of actually helped me kind of go back and, and understand a little bit more about Matt himself. So there are like these 12 uh, origin moon dates in the collection. And on every origin moon anniversary, Matt actually posts a tweet thread about the meaning and sort of significance of that event in his life. And you can learn a lot about Matt's life and, and artistic practice through, through these posts as well. So there's this particular thread about the dream origin moon specifically that's one of my favorites because I think it really takes you on a, on a journey through Matt's evolution as an artist, um, starting from this dream that he had nearly two decades ago. And he's worked with like several different uh, mediums ranging from oil paintings to 3D modeling software, layered resin boxes, 
plexiglass sheets, and then like finally now um, sort of crypto art on the blockchain, right? And so that that was one of those things where I was able to kind of see this this artist kind of developing their practice over uh, like the span of twenty years. But you can see the signature style that uh, Matt's kind of been developing over these two decades across all these mediums. Uh, I think he's always been like a master of uh, color theory, and you can see um, sort of these vibrant yet harmonious color palettes through through all of his work actually starting from the the, the beginning there's also like a fascinating amount of like layer depth and detail to his work when you zoom in and you can again see that in gazers as well as his the door collection which is like his one of ones on super air as well as again many of his earlier crypto artworks as well yeah one of the things about matt in my research that really came to came to the forefront was his dedication to the art. You know, Vertau talks about color theory. And uh, in my research, he, he noted that Mark Rothko was a, a big inspiration for him. And that was kind of foundational to, to Mark's art. And when I say like Matt is a proprietor of, of everything, I mean, he literally took three years of his life from 2014 to 2017 to create the software that we know today as foundational to almost every single piece uh, of his output, you know, including doors and, and gazers. You know, he equated this to early artists who were, and the quote was, is chopping down trees and grinding their own pigments, stretching their own canvas. And he really equated you know, writing his own code to this sort of sentiment in a, in a traditional canvas painting of digging into the details and understanding every piece that gets composed along the way. And I found that incredibly, incredibly fascinating and also the devotion to the craft, right? Not just taking something off the shelf, but, but pioneering it. And it's one of the things that I've come to respect most about Matt is you know, he was also the first to own his own contract on Super Rare for what Vertau talked about for Doors. So, you know, he, he's been pioneering a lot of things. And I, it, I feel as though he's flown under the radar for some. Obviously, with the, the price appreciation recently on Gazers, it, there's some awareness that's being drawn to it. But his devotion to the art is just utterly, utterly next level and it's something i at least in our research thus far i haven't seen too much of but you know i think it goes back to uh him you know doing this and for over 20 years and, and starting as an oil painting artist yeah i listened to that proof podcast with matt that was i believe sometime earlier in this year in, in 2022 and what I kept thinking about is how how does he do all this? Like like how does he have the time? <laughs> because between the the physical works that he seems to be incredibly good at, and I remember seeing a tweet with him. Um, actually, it might have been that tweet that you shared, Verta, when he talks about the dream origin moons, and it shows him crafting all of these. You know, it, it's like he's part painter, part uh, you know melder, part he's like fusing together different physical metals and stuff like that. And then on top of that, he custom writes all of his code, which is just crazy to me that he is so talented in, in many different ways artistically. And the other thing I'll say about him that really strikes me is that he is 
he shares a lot of detail and the depth of his thought. He does, it seems like, everything very intentionally. And I think that comes through in Gazers when you see the just sheer number of traits in the metadata that he has thought through. And I don't, you know, I can't say if other artists do the same thing because not all collections have this much in the metadata. But it does seem to me that Matt is extremely thoughtful and, you know, to the um, like the nth degree about everything that he puts into his work. And that is really impressive for me to see and hear. Yeah, I think it, it feels like he's he's definitely playing the long game. Like if you think about like that, that going back to that proof podcast as well, like he talks about sort of developing this custom studio software that he uses to sort of create all of this work, right? Um, that was like a pretty big investment. I think uh, it's kind of an investment into his, his future practice and all of that. I think uh, he's also just playing a, a long game, I think, with, uh, with his uh, artwork. Like uh, you're kind of going on a, on a journey with him almost as a as a gazer's collector right like um throughout the course of the year there are these kind of events almost that unlock um we'll, we'll maybe talk about those when we get into some of the traits later uh, but for example there's like the, the the rocket trait right which actually ends up unlocking like something uh, every couple of months and it's going to go on for the rest of this year so you're kind of going on this on this journey with him so it's a pretty fun experience Yes, absolutely. So let's move on to Gazer's itself, the history of the collection. He talks about this also in that Proof podcast, which we'll link to in the show notes. But I believe he said that he was working on doors and Gazer's emerged out of doors. Uh, do you have any uh, further info or on this, Vertau? Not specifically, but my I'm guessing that it's uh, in Gazer. So I think uh, it sort of maybe set the, the foundation from, a, from a, just a technique perspective using using the software that we've been kind of working on in order to make Gazers possible. So Gazer is a sort of a very ambitious project that also takes this this time as an artistic medium into, into consideration. So I think um, that's, that's just my guess is that kind of the, the, the door project sort of led to a lot of the, the techniques that have been used in, in Gazers as well. Got it. Yep, that that makes sense. And I know he talks a lot about the use of color study. Uh, J-Paz, did you glean anything uh, further about the history of the collection from your research? The the one thing I was going to note is the he constantly uses the reference in in all the articles and and interviews I saw. The uh, he uses doors as the as an analogy for the portal into whatever it is that he needs to jump into next. Right. So. My words and kind of not his, but it seems as though he always goes back. The doors seem to be his foundational project, and he jumps in and out of them uh, and in the creation of them as he needs to. And, and it really serves as the inspiration for what may be next. And I think that, you know, one of his inspirations coming from it working on the doors was gazers. And, and I, I just find it really, really uh, intriguing, especially it's not related to gazers, but just as a collector that this doors project is going to have a level of development and maturity along his career. And I think that's analogous to, to gazers, which is it's a piece that's going to continually transform and grow with time. And it, it's just, it's an absolutely amazing piece in the sense that it, it has that component uh, as part of its maturity. 
100%. It's, it's a very unique collection. And I think our listeners will be able to appreciate that more as, as we dive into it. So let's quickly go through why we chose this collection, why Gazers. This is an art block curated, as, as folks can see up on the screen here. This was released on December 6th, 2021. It's a thousand pieces, art blocks curated. So uh, really the, the highest level of scrutiny for any project that comes through here. Uh, but in addition to that, I think there's a lot of unique aspects of gazers. And I'll take the first one real quick, which is uh, in our seven point framework, which actually I'm going to update to eight points today. I'll, I'll mention the eighth one. But the first thing we looked at is aesthetics and visuals. And with gazers, I'm just going to scroll down our DECA gallery really quickly for those listening on audio. But you can just go on OpenSea or archipelago.art and take a look at the gazers collection and just scroll through and you'll see there's a huge variety of interesting colors and shapes that all center around a moon in the middle. And the aesthetics are just beautiful. I think that anyone can find some combination of colors and shading that they really enjoy, even if they don't enjoy every single piece. And I think that I haven't met anyone who says that they don't like at least some of these or some of the look and feel of it. And as we'll get to, one of the unique elements of this collection is that it evolves over time and you know even every day, some every second uh, to a smaller degree, some of these pieces. So aesthetics and visuals definitely checks the box. And uh, I'll go ahead and just say in terms of the breadth of the collection, it, it checks the box. I'm going to just hop over to archipelago.art here uh, for those on audio. And you just have to take a look at how many different elements there are in the metadata to get a sense of, oh, yeah, there, there's a lot of breadth in this collection. And a lot of these do impact the visual output. So it does a really, really fantastic job of making it clear that all these pieces are unified within the same collection while simultaneously adding just an insane amount of variety. And as we mentioned, some of which are within the same piece, just variety over different times of the day or different years and certainly different months as, as we'll get to. So that's two of our points in our framework. And we used to have a seven point framework. We have an eight point framework now that honestly just came to me now was we're talking to Vertau, and that is the community. Um, there is a real community around this collection. And I was, could you speak to that, Vertau? Uh, guessing you're, you're kind of deep in there, given your expertise here. But what, what is that Gazer's community like? Yeah, so um, I think one of the things that's kind of relatively unique about what Matt's done is that he's actually created kind of his own own Discord server. So um, it's it's kind of separate from the uh, the, the channels that are actually in the Artblocks Discord. And so what's happened as a result is that you have kind of this group of collectors that are in there and actually just constantly sort of discussing various aspects of the project, like appreciating the, the evolution of the pieces over time, even actually like celebrating together when, when, when gazers have these um, sort of celebration events. There's a market chat channel where people are sort of looking at more of like the uh, the, the buys and sells, and actually congratulating each other when 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 there are like purchases that happen. So it's actually a really well um, sort of um, sort of well knit sort of community that's come together and just really helpful, really passionate about the project. Yeah, I think uh, it's been it's been a really friendly space to kind of just get into. So like I remember when when I was trying to research the project in January to get into it, I just jumped in there and I got like a whole bunch of like helpful suggestions, learned a lot from folks there um, through 
posts that have been there in the past, uh, some that have been like pinned to the channels. So there's just a like a wealth of information there. A lot of which was actually the basis for a lot of the material that that went into that uh, that guide that I ended up writing in in March. So a big thanks to I think everyone in there for actually giving me a lot of the inputs that that made that happen. Right. And I, I'm showing the guide now on the screen, uh, which is a Google Doc that Vertile put together and, and we'll have in our show notes. And I I bring up the community also because I tweet out a GM every day with an image. And one day I decided to put gazers and people saw that and they were really welcoming. They said, yeah, come in the Discord. We'll help you find a piece. And Matt also reacted to that tweet. And not all artists do, and, and I get it, Every, people are busy and all that, but it just really seems like Matt is going an extra step to engage with his holders and his community in general. Do you have any thoughts on uh, Matt as an artist, Jay Paws, and his, the way that he relates to his community? So the, the time that I was in the, the Discord, it was very evident that Matt was active. I mean, I think it's he, he takes so much, my observations, he takes so much pride in his art. He also wants to honor the collectors behind it. I mean, it's really, really, it's, it's cool to see an artist with such notoriety to be so active within a community. It, it, it almost seems like a, a low barrier to, to connection with Matt. And for that, it's been really cool to, to just be a participant and even just observe on the sidelines. Yeah, another fun aspect I think is given how uh, kind of uh, engaged he is. Like um, he'll he'll also kind of throw in like a few uh, hints every so often. So there are still a few mysteries waiting to be revealed, kind of in the Gazer's collection, right? And so uh, I think he almost enjoys kind of like throwing these little hints out and then having everyone kind of talk about them and have like, that's kind of the speculation that arises from it. Uh, I don't mean like from a pricing perspective, but more of like just the, the guesswork that goes into like, oh, what does this mean? And, and uh, all of those types of things. So he's actually kind of involved in, in that as well. So it's, it's, uh, it's really fun to, um, to do it. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Uh, he seems just really genuine and genuinely interested in his art and his community and bringing people along. And I think that is wonderful to see and will bode well in the long term. Uh, not just for gazers, but anything that he does, doors, and I know he's working on something else that he's alluded to. Um, let's talk about the holders of gazers. Um, on the screen here, switching over to dune.com, uh, there's a user there who is at cat, C-A-T, who has a lot of great dashboards for generative art. And this is Cat's gazers dashboard. And I'm going to scroll down here and go to, uh, there's a section in here that Cat put together, which has uh, collectors. And, uh, you know, it's, it's actually fairly distributed. There's a 40% unique token angels.eth has the most number of gazers. They have 85. So clearly they're big fans. Uh, but generally speaking, about 40% of unique holdership in this collection. And from, you know, I don't know per se about a ton of super influential holders, but uh, here's one, Rudia, who's a well-known collector, has 14. But what I do know is that the people who do hold them, uh, actually, I take that back here, 6529 Museum Vault has 10 gazers, but the people who hold them are extremely big fans, which I think really bodes well for the collection as well. And Bertal mentioned that uh, they have five, 
And so there, there are quite a bit of really great holders here. And I'm not going to belabor the point since we have a lot of details to get through, but I think both from the holder standpoint and then the, uh, the sixth thing that we look at sentiment, it's considered extremely good art. I, I don't know anybody who thinks that it's bad. They might think it's complicated and not fully understand it. But I don't know anyone who has, I've never heard anyone say, yeah, that's, that's not good art. Um, how about you, Jay Paz? You ever... What are your thoughts on the sentiment you hear around the collection? I, I I'm, I'm skipping you on this one, Vertal, because I know how you feel about this. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but the, yeah, Jay, the collection, the collection was actually brought to me by Von Mises. So, you know, who's a, a pretty well-respected collector within the, I'll call it just general NFT space, but specifically art blocks. So, it, you know, he's a big fan and and had very positive things to say about it. I, I'm. I agree with exactly what you said. The only complaint I've ever heard is about the complexity, and it's not even a complaint. It's just due to the fact that it takes a a commitment to wrap your head around just every aspect of this. And and um, you know, again, we hope to shed a little bit of light on it and encourage everybody to to start to fall down that rabbit hole, just as Vertau and and others have. But I mean, it's it. it it's a very, very complicated project and, and very well, very well respected and embraced. A hundred percent. And let's move on to the seventh thing we look at, which is historic significance. I'm going to throw this to you, Vertau. Do you believe that this collection is currently historically significant? And if not, do you see a path for it to become historically significant with the idea that collections that are innovative and different tend to capture more mindshare and attention and retain value over time. The big example being like CryptoPunks and Autoglyphs. Yeah, I think the the, the possibility is there um, in terms of uh, kind of the, the uniqueness aspect of like this this notion of uh, it being kind of a like a living artwork piece that changes every month and uses sort of time as an artistic medium that reflection of like actual um, sort of moon phase or, or lunar cycles I think that whole kind of conceptual part of it is is really unique and, and interesting and uh, it, it, we may see other projects over time uh, sort of also bring bring things like that in. So it has that potential, I think, to be one of the the, the first ones to do that. Um, and so that's, I think, where the, the possibility is there. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, so I, I actually, this might be the one place where I'm more bullish than you are uh, on the collection. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and I say that because it's just extremely interesting the way that time is utilized here that I don't think I've seen in other projects or at least not in other high profile projects you know projects that also have the artist and the art and the breadth and the visuals and it, it adds this element of time that I think is fascinating and, and you know we'll talk more about it but to me that's almost one of the most interesting parts of it and then the other thing that I think is very historically significant is the complexity, because I think that it caused, to some extent, people to rally around it as they understood it and to really have that community come together. And I don't really know a project other than Chromie Squiggles that has the same kind of community around it. I think about the Squiggle DAO, where you know a lot of the value of Squiggles, not a lot, but I would say a non-insignificant part of the value of squiggles 
is maintained by that community in the Squiggle DAO. And I have a feeling that the same will happen with Gazers. And it could be a roadmap as to, you know, how you can bring together folks around a collection, around a brand, if you will, and continue to sustain that. I think there's some really interesting elements beyond just the art uh, in regards to Gazers. I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts on this, Jay Paz. So is it historically significant right now? I say no, but it is also on the cusp of that for everything that you guys have indicated. And I would say, and the the topic itself is something that has transcended time, generation, and millennia, meaning the the lunar calendar. I think the mix of the lunar calendar topic and the um the complexity and breadth of the algorithm is just something that's going to play well out in time because you can you can have your gazer, you can follow it, you can see its transformation and become invested as it goes continually. Uh, it's not just like a static piece or or something that um, may come in vogue or out of vogue. It 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 feels like there's a a portionality of it that is going to to just absolutely uh, gain traction and and be a timeless piece. It, I think it has, because of the algorithm and the to- the subject matter, I, I 100% think it has that potential. Now, one thing to add might also be just that um, it almost feels like this is one of those things that can uh, only get better with time in some sense, because uh, it feels like we're sort of early in that there, um, just the ability to sort of like render these today on on like a standalone like screen that you put up on on your wall sort of doesn't exist yet. But I think once we have better displays and frames, and also just um, kind of moving on to better display technology, right? Like seeing seeing one of these like on a on a giant like eight K or ten K sort of like screen would just be amazing compared to like what you can see today. And so I think that can also play into sort of how how the the, the future looks at this. Um, yeah, that, when, when some of those technology advances happen. That's a great point. I mean, who knows? Maybe someday in Times Square, we'll have a gazer's clock, right? And and it, you just mm-hmm. sort of see the image change over time. I, I think it's a fantastic point. So let's move on to the last thing that we look at is uh, the price action. So we'll quickly hop over to article.io onto their gazer's page, take a look at some analytics. You want to talk through these, JPOS? Oh, JPOS might be tied up again. So I will I will go ahead and uh, jump through some of these analytics. So essentially what we try to see here is high level is the floor price rising or the daily listing prices rising and is the daily listing volume going down and all those are happening in this case. So on the top left here, you see daily selling price. And uh, if you go on a log scale, sometimes you can remove some of the noise Actually, in this case, it's not as helpful, but you can see, clearly see here that the prices have been rising and the listing prices have been actually going up quite a bit, uh, listing volumes down. And one last thing we actually we like to look at on the bottom left here is to see the, the market cap of the collection relative to the cost basis. And I just switched this over to the US dollar amount. And what you start to see is where essentially the floor is in US dollars. And we look at U.S. dollars for generative art because it seems like more collectors of art think in U.S. dollars. But there's clearly been this rising floor 
uh, right around, well, at the moment, it's around $18,000. There have been some sales recently, so perhaps it's a little bit less than that. But it it seems to be continually maintaining. And anytime the market cap gets below that cost basis, it it seems to bounce off of that. I'm I'm sorry, this was an $18 million. So this is not an individual unit basis, but it kind of shows you the same uh, the same idea here. So the numbers are backing up that sentiment that we were talking about here. So let's let's go ahead and dive into the collection itself. Uh, for those on audio only, we just hop back over to our DECA gallery and we will go through the categories that we feel, um, of course, with the Vertile's help, that felt Vertile feels are the most relevant. And this is really the 80-20 in the sense that there's a lot more detail you can go into, but we're giving you the high-level stuff so you can at least get started. And as Vertel mentioned, hop in that Gazer's Discord if you want to get more information, get more details, and figure out what might be the right Gazer for you if and when you're ready for that. But let's let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, Vertel, the first category here is the moon category. You want to walk folks through what this refers to? Yeah, sure. Actually, I was going to ask, uh, do you think it's possible to switch to the live rendering mode? It, I know like sometimes it struggles a bit to like render multiple ones, but... Uh, Let's try it. Can try and see. Yeah. Let's try it. And if not, the other thing we should mention to folks is uh, I also have teed up here. There is a uh, gazers.art website and the market view there, gazers.art slash market uh, can show you. We have this up on the screen right now, but it shows you all of the gazers and... One thing that's really cool about this is you can see the different times of day. So every gazer has a different image based on the time of day. And some of them have their image change more than three times per day. And so that's a cool place to see it where you won't be able to see it on our Decker gallery because I don't believe it, it renders in real time like that. Um, so uh, they it, it, it's struggling a little bit, Bertel, but I think it's coming through. But maybe while these load, uh, yeah, you just direct me. Tell me where you'd like me to go and uh, feel free to go ahead and get started and, and tell us about these moon categories. Sure, yeah. So the uh, the moon category is probably the one of the simpler ones to understand. So this is mostly a visual trait. And so what you're seeing here is basically the shape of the, the moon itself, right? So there are a few different shapes that are actually in the collection. So the block one is kind of this, like, diamond square kind of shape that that's there on the moon and so uh yeah that's basically that one if you scroll down a little bit um you'll see some of the other shapes as well yep so we got cube here yeah which is basically like a like a hexagon um and then there's a um so dice is a really interesting one so dice is one of those things where you actually get a surprise every month um, and so as the gazer um, evolves every like roughly 29 and a half days these dice moons you'll actually get a different shape potentially every month so it's kind of a, a fun trait to have yeah um, and you can even yeah, see that here so, although the one on the right is uh, looks like an octagon at the moment mm -hmm. whereas the one on the left is round and yep, one yep. thing that Vertel's uh, alluding to here is that the gazers actually change shape every single month so every new moon you get a new variation of your gazer and uh, this market view that i hop back over to uh, gazers.art slash market you can actually go through this drop down here and see what that gazer looked like in the prior moon uh so it's not every month i should correct myself every moon 
that it changes. And uh, I learned that from Vertel, so I can't take any credit for it, but I wanted to show folks there real fast. Yep. And then there's the, the circle round one, which looks like the actual moon. <laughs> um, and then there's the dodecagon and an octagon. Yeah. So it's basically, uh, yeah, this is one of the simpler traits, purely a visual thing to understand. Yeah. I think the, the, the dice one is probably the only kind of unknown, and that's where you actually get the, the surprise every month, pretty much. Do you have a favorite of these, Vertel? I actually, uh, I like the circular ones. I like the, uh, the decagons as well, uh, sorry, the the dodecagon actually, and uh, but yeah, they're all they're all nice. I think having a uh, if you're if you're building a collection, like having a, a variety of them is 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 pretty fun as well. Do you find that there's a, a a premium for any of these, or any of these are more popular than others? Uh, I think it tends to be pretty subjective. I, I've heard like some folks actually have a, li- a bit of a preference for the circular one because I think it it sort of reflects what the, the real moon looks like. So it's a little more literal in that sense. Uh, but the other ones are sort of more like conceptually um, reflecting what the what the moon is. Uh, but yeah, I've heard like some people tend to prefer the the circular one, even though that's actually statistically the most common one for, for just that reason. Yeah, and, and looking on online here, there are 462 of the circular moons. Next most common is the block moons, which are the first ones we showed. There's 152 of those, and then 146 of the cubes, and then 86 dodecas, 80 dice, and 74 octas. So um, interesting. I, I would have thought that the dice might be a little bit more in demand because they're only 8% of the collection and because they are unique in the sense that they change. Um, but you know, I, I think to your point, it, it does make sense kind of looking at them that it would be a little more subjective and just up to the the, the viewer themselves on that one. Okay, so let's go to moon size. And, uh, I, you know, Verta, I might, let's see. Just switch to the static. I, I might have to not render these. They're so, like, cool and complex, but it's, uh, I even got a new computer, but it, it, it's, it's slowing that down <laughs> perhaps too much. But, yeah, for everybody, please, you know, you can take a look at our gallery and turn on live rendering. And of course, you can click on any of these images and go to the actual uh, size. Sorry, excuse me, the actual uh, OpenSea page and, and see these NFTs. Uh, let me just really quickly talk through moon size. This is one that I can understand. Uh, it's it's literally just how big is the image of the moon in the center of the piece. And I've shown you how it changes as you go from the lowest size, which is zero, all the way up to size six and showcasing it here on our gallery with the aluminum background, which we'll get to next, uh, because I just, I really like that background. That's, uh, it's, it's definitely my favorite, but you can see here that they get significantly, go from very, very small to very large in size six. And Vertau, do you have any preferences in terms of moon size? And uh, do you see there being a, a, a premium or extra popularity on any specific moon size? Yeah, this is an interesting one because again, this comes down to sort of the the difference between like what's um, kind of statistically more rare versus like a personal preference. So size zero, which is kind of the smallest moon size, is actually the rarest. So there's only 32 of them in the whole collection, um, and so that does um, 
for, for some people actually command a little bit of a premium. I think the, the other thing to sort of remember is that even though the size zero moon looks really small kind of in these thumbnails, I think something that Matt mentions kind of in the intro video too is, is this notion of like how this artwork will sort of like scale with uh, kind of technology advances. And so the thing we were talking about earlier, which is that if you, for example, saw this on a giant screen in the middle of Times Square, like even a size zero moon would actually be pretty large, right? And so that's like one of those things where um, I think depending on where you're seeing it and like the, the capabilities of the device, um, things might look a little different. So I personally actually tend to gravitate a little bit more towards the, the, the larger moon sizes, even though they're not like as, uh, again, like they're more more common. But I know like there's a lot of other collectors who actually do gravitate towards the, the, the size zero and, and ones. Yeah, j do you have a preference for any specific size? I'm with Verto. I love the, the larger moons. I was actually looking. Uh, I did notice that statistically the, the zeros are smaller. And I was looking at a couple of them for my PC, but never actually took the plunge to, to buy them simply because, uh, you know, I prefer that more prominent moon space. So, yeah, I, I have a tendency to lean towards the larger moons also. Same here. I feel a little bit basic having that opinion, but I I just like them <laughs> larger. So, you know, I'm glad they're more than, let's put it that way. <laughs> that is 32. There's also the... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say there's also kind of the trade-off between like when you have a, a larger moon, you see less of the sky. And sometimes the sky can be like actually... When, I, when I'm saying sky, I'm actually talking about kind of the... Um, the, the square that's like right behind it. Um, so there's mm-hmm. uh, the, the gazer moons themselves are kind of divided into like three parts. So there's the the moon itself in the center. Uh, there's the sky, which is the box that it's enclosed in, and then there's the frame, which is everything around it. Right. And so um, if you have a smaller moon, you actually see more of the sky. And sometimes the sky actually has really fascinating patterns as well. So that could be one one case where like having a smaller moon. Would be appealing as well. Yeah. Um, and Virto, for so for our listeners, we opened up Gazers two zero eight from our Deca gallery. Uh, this is a size mm-hmm. six moon. In this case, uh, would you? So the sky would be the moon is obviously the in this because it's a hexagon in this case in the middle. It's probably a cube type actually, um, based mm-hmm. on the image. Then the sky is everything that's kind of in this darker or less bright green. I should say lighter green. Then would you consider the frame everything outside of this purplish section? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep. Okay, got it. So the frame could have multiple layers. It looks like this is almost two layers of frame on it. Yeah, and typically what I've seen is that the frame actually remains constant across the different lunations, if I understand correctly. And then the sky and the moon are usually the ones that evolve pretty significantly between between lunations. Got it. And actually, this is a great segue into the next... Uh, category which is backgrounds now does does the background refer to just like everything the the sky and the frame or is it just the frame or or what is your understanding of that i think it's both actually so it's the sky and the frame uh gets kind of the background so night is actually the most common background which is um, basically like a little bit more of like the pure black and that's kind of the again the most common uh statistically as well then you have slate and and aluminum, which are kind of the other other two that are available. So slate is actually the most 
rare in terms of like statistically. So that's 56 of those. It's roughly the same, actually. Like slate and aluminum are actually roughly the same. So it's like 56 slates and 58 aluminums. So slates actually have a little bit more of a kind of a grayish tinge to them. So they're not exactly like pure black, but sort of more of like that smoky look. Actually, Matt himself uh, in, in one of the Gazer's chats mentioned this. Uh, I'll, I'll quote what Matt said. Uh, he said, slates make me think of a smoky room of leather chairs with free-flowing bourbon for some reason, <laughs> which is kind of an interesting way to look at it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So... Uh, yeah, so that's what it, slates have that kind of like that very distinct kind of like smoky gray look. And then aluminums actually have that uh, uh, that much more of that like uh, like a little bit more of like the, the, the brighter sort of uh, lighter gray kind of like look to them as well. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and they're up on the screen here for those who are on audio only in our, on our DECA.art gallery. And there are 886 nights to give folks a sense of the overwhelming majority statistically being a knight and i had a quick question for you on this one Vertal. so this knight mm-hmm. that i chose here up on the right side of our screen which is gazer's number 552 the whole the sky and the frame are covered in color in this one do you know mm-hmm. if this would look any different if it were a slate or aluminum or is there some other category that's just sort of overwhelming the the general image here? Yeah. So if you look kind of at the uh, the, the borders of this, you kind of see where the like the blacks are appearing, right? So the black is kind mm. of the the layer at the very bottom of these, and then everything in front of it is a bunch of like lines that are actually close together, so they almost form like this uh, like a weave pattern almost. Uh, and so if you were to look at this exact same set of layers but like layered on top of like a slate or an aluminum it would, it would still look a little different so rather than being set on a black background it would be set more on like a like the sort of the dark gray or light gray sort of background um that the slates or aluminum would, would be got it and, and are there any traits uh, perhaps the whichever one is causing the color to spread across most of the image here are there any traits that sort of negate background or that, that you can think of or that make the background less prominent? I think there's got to be. I think it's one of those things that I don't know yet. I think it's one of those things that we'll sort of study over time as a, as a group and, and figure it out one day, the, mis- the mystery of, of what that what, what trade actually controls that. Uh, but there's definitely something because we've seen like certain moves that actually appear to have exactly, I guess, the, the, the two examples that you had open earlier. Like one of them actually feels like especially at the nighttime, like there's almost like no color there and it's like uh, a very night sky kind of look, right? And uh, there's others where it, it fills the, the whole uh, the whole frame and sky with, with color. So uh, I think there's there's got to be something there. Uh, we're still, I guess, discovering it as a group. Yeah, and, and Matt, if you're listening, we, we would love to, we would love your thoughts on <laughs> this question. Uh, <laughs> J-Paws, of the backgrounds, are there any that you are particularly drawn to? Did we lose J-Paws? I don't see him. Ah, uh, yes, we, we might have lost him. I know he's... he's uh, Yeah, actually, I just saw a message. He 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 has to run, so it's just you and I, Berto, the rest of the way out. Yeah, how about you, Berto? Any one of these that you are particularly drawn to? I love both the aluminums and slates, actually. Um, so if you look at kind of how the market's been valuing them, like aluminums have been commanding us like a significant premium for sure 
And I think that also comes down to a little bit of like the, the supply issue. So when you were looking at kind of the list of holders earlier, you'll have seen that uh, Token Angels is by far the, the, the top holder of the whole collection. But Token Angels is also the largest holder of aluminums, actually. And so they're pretty much like controlling most of the supply of it. So they, they rarely come on the market. And uh, because of that, when they do show up, uh, I think they definitely have a little bit of a, a, a premium right now. I think the if I if I remember correctly, the highest sale gazer so far has actually been an aluminum. Um, yeah, you and know, so it's funny you bring that up because I like to check that. I think a lot of times people see price action and they say, "Oh wow, the floor is at what is it, twelve ether, or fourteen ether right now? It's going to be hundred soon." But you should always take a look <laughs> at the highest last sale, and the highest sale was forty four, and then after that we've had a few at thirty. So. Even though the floor price is rising, people are not yet willing to say, okay, something should cost 100 So if something is listed for 100 you probably shouldn't buy it yet. I don't think that's uh, the expectation. But yes, the highest sale was here, number 362. And actually, I think this is a black background. So Yeah, that's right. I was actually mistaken. This is one that has the, the rocket trait to it, which is I think ah. probably the most, the, one of the most valuable things. But I think the second second highest sale item was was the aluminum actually. Yes, I could see that. Yeah, it looks like the second three, the the ones that all yep. went for thirty, were all aluminums, and and that makes sense. And it also makes sense that slates trade for a little bit higher given the rarity, so it's a rarity premium, even though the visual is a little bit more subtle. Yeah, the community also has kind of like a, like some fun nicknames for these. So they they call them slazers, like slates, mm-hmm. and the aluminums are called like. Illuminaries. <laughs> so got it. Um, yeah. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, the community there, you you guys are really it's something. And it it's important. I think it's more important than people realize. Um, okay. So let's talk uh, default hemispheres. I think that uh, th- this is one that I can I can take since I've learned this, since you taught this to me. This is <laughs> subtle but kind of cool and I and I enjoy it. So there are three default hemispheres. By far the most common is Northern, uh, which is roughly 850 or so. I don't know. I forget the exact number. And what it refers to is where is the light coming from that is causing the shading on the moon or really reflection on the moon as the moon reflects the sunlight. And that is going to come from a different angle or a different side, depending on if you're in the Northern hemisphere, as is this image here on the left, which is Gazer's number 88. Um, compared to the Southern Hemisphere, which is our image in the middle. And there are 127 that have the Southern Hemisphere. And this one here uh, shown on screen is number 183. And then highly rare are the equator moons. There are only 13 of these. And they go, um, I guess, either up to down or down to up. Is it both vertile or does it just depend? It's, uh, yeah, it's bottom to top, actually. So, uh... Yeah, northern is is kind of right to left, um, southern is left to right, and then equator is bottom to top. Right, awesome. And I think the, the place to see this easiest, and now for those listening on audio, I jumped over to gazers.art slash market, and you can see by the time of the day, oh, I'm sorry, this is not the right view. It's, is it the gallery view, Vertel? Yeah, I think it's easiest to sort of see in one of the uh, the ones that's actually like moving, so like either like a minute timer or something where you'll actually see it sweep from left to right or right to left. Got it. Okay. Well, we'll 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 find one of those, and if we can't during this recording, we'll include one in the show notes. 
Uh, but the point is, if you come to this uh, gazers.art website and you find one where you see the shading on the moon move uh, throughout the day, as opposed to just based on the calendar, so uh, in intraday rather than interday, then you can see some of this uh, patterning, which is really cool. And uh, I don't even have to look at the charts. I'm going to assume that there's quite a premium for the equatorial types, of which there are only 13. Is that correct, Vertel? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, definitely. Uh, I think Southern does get a little bit of a premium, but not not nearly as much. But I think uh, equators are pretty, pretty sought after. Yeah, and I can I will check super quickly on article. Yeah, so Southern, actually right now, Excuse me, southern the floor is 30, so it's about twice the floor of the northern. Does that sound consistent, or do you think that's just sort of a how it is right now in this snapshot in time? Like 2x, the a normal gazer for a southern? Yeah, I would say that probably feels a little high right now. I think maybe looking at like sales might provide a better indicator, but uh, it does feel like, uh, yeah, equators, you would probably see something that's... Uh, premium that high probably with, with actual sales as well right yeah and there are no equators on sale right now so no, which <laughs> it makes sense there's so few of them clocks you want to kind of talk everyone through the clocks yeah clocks are an interesting one because this is what changes the kind of the uh gazer moons from being kind of like just a like a regular moon phase calendar to like this thing to this different mode which is actually functioning more like a like a clock uh, and so there's actually four different kinds so there's the 24 hour the hour minute the hour minute second and then the minute timer so these ones actually you'll probably have to open the the live versions to see what they look like so maybe an easy way to do it is to actually just click on the detail view and then yeah uh, does this work on open c Vertel, or do we need to go to gaze yeah it, it would open on open c yeah. okay so we're gonna go to gazers 543 on open c here and That's right. So now, if you click into this, uh, the default that it's showing you is actually the the, the twenty four hour clock view. So if you click in and press the zero key on your keyboard, oh, there it goes. You see how it switches? Yeah. So what's happened is that it's switching from that twenty four hour clock mode to the default like lunar calendar uh, mode, right? So the the second one you're seeing here, where it's almost a new moon, because there's going to be a new moon tomorrow. So you're actually seeing. It looked mostly like a new moon right now, almost. Got it. So this is the calendar view, correct? This is the calendar view. Yeah, that's right. And then this 24-hour yeah. view is showing us that it's been around half the day. Are these set to UTC? They're actually local time. So it'll look different for you and, and me, actually. Oh, your local time. Yeah. that is really cool. Definitely worth playing around with friends who are listening. Let, mm -hmm. Let's take a look at the hour, minute, second variant, because this one is my favorite. Uh, yeah, these are awesome. <laughs> Yeah, this is Gazer's 974 for those on audio only. Go check this out in OpenSea, click the image, and then hit the zero. But what's so cool about it is I think the fact that it's hour, minute, and second, it adds layers, right? There's there's now three different curves that are impacting the coloring, not just the one in the 24-hour. And you can even see that the seconds ticking on my screen here as the color goes through, which is just... Yeah, it's super fun. 
I'm assuming, well, okay, these are my favorite. Uh, w- w- do you have a favorite here for Tao out of these? Yeah, I would say like the hour minute seconds are my favorite too. I think uh, there's also another interesting trait that's related to these, which is the uh, clock style. So if you go scroll down a little bit, there's a, yeah. you see how this one says clock style tick. So there's a tick style and a, and a run style. And uh, I kind of think about these, uh, like how you would kind of think about actual like watches as well right so when you look at like a quartz watch versus like a mechanical watch like quartz watches typically do that sort of like tick 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 style motion and mechanical ones have that smoother kind of like uh, motion where the 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 second hand almost like sweeps right like smoothly and so you can kind of think about the, the tick being kind of like a quartz clock and the run being more like a mechanical watch uh, so that seconds layer that you're seeing kind of move every second in in the gazer's moon uh, well, either like more discreetly versus more continuously, depending on that clock style. Got it. And it seems like the tick is is less common from what. Yeah. So <laughs> most of them are run. Oh, I see. But it only it's only for those that have a clock category that is not the default. So clock calendar only. There's seven ninety two. Uh, we're on Open Sea now, taking a look at this. And so of those. Uh, 208 that are not calendar only it seems like it's roughly uh, like two two to three for tick to run Mm -hmm. got it and um yeah i I imagine in terms of clock the calendar onlys uh, are probably the cheapest let's hop over to our article to take a look at that and interestingly that i've I don't know if this is consistent, Vertel, but right now the 24-hour clock and the hour and minute clock are pretty much either locked up or unattainable based on floor price. So there are no hour and minute clocks for sale. 24-hour clock has a thousand ether floor, which is probably somebody not expecting it to be purchased. <laughs> I, I would have thought the hour, minute, second, both given the visual nature of it and the fact that they're only 19, it's the rarest, would have would have the highest premium. Is that typically the case or what have you seen and heard yeah i think hour and minute uh, sorry the hour minute second clocks are, are usually rare to come by like even on the market and when they do they're priced pretty high and so i've actually seen more sales of minute timers uh, because those seem to come in a little more frequently on the market and uh, also kind of have a little bit more of that that dynamic nature to them. So a minute timer is basically just the second hand kind of moving, right? If you look at one of those examples. Yeah, let's, let's take a look um, so at that, one. That's, so here we have a 891 with a minute timer, and we'll hop over to OpenSea to take a look at that one. Yeah, so this one like basically ticks every second and then repeats that every every minute, basically. So you'll see it sweep all the way and then start sweeping again. I see. And this one, so this, you don't even need to press zero for that. Yeah, if you press zero on it, you'll again go back to kind of the um, the moon phase calendar. Like I see, I ones. see. There's always that toggle. Mm-hmm. Got it. Very cool. Uh, this, this is one of the coolest features. And I think this is where the, the collection is incredibly unique, as we were talking about earlier, in having this time element to it which isn't only a very long time it could be a short time as well um yeah wonderful yeah so so uh, one of my top three uh, fell into that category uh because i just love, <laughs> i love that that category um a shorter one is uh celebration windows so every moon has a celebration at different points in time 
Um, there are anniversaries to the moons, which are tied to their origin moon date. Uh, so I believe, is it every 12 moons or is it once a year, a calendar year that you get the celebration? Yeah, it'll, so it'll happen on the, uh, on the origin moon anniversary, which is once a year on that date. Okay, um, got it. Once a year on that date. And the celebration window refers to different appearances that happen to your gazer's piece during that celebration time. So some of them, there's a celebration that lasts for 24 hours. Some of them is uh, 120 hours, which are, which are the two that we've uh, currently shown on screen here. And then the other options are, it's 24, 48, 96, 72, 120, or 144 hours. So just a differing number of days. Um, do you, actually, I wanted to ask you, Vertau, other than the anniversary of the origin moon, what other kinds of events cause celebrations for the gazers? Yeah, so there's actually been, uh, so on uh, the, the origin moon anniversaries are kind of like unique to each moon, right? So those happen like for that specific moon. But then there are some other events that like sort of happen where um, all moons in the collection actually celebrate on that same day. So those are things that, that Matt has actually kind of programmed into the, into the collection itself. So there's like an example would be like on a lunar eclipse day or like I think on January 8th was like Stephen Hawking's birthday. And so there was a celebration for that. So cool. December 31st, I think New Year's Eve, there was one. And so there are probably going to be more in the future that we don't know about. But on those days, like pretty much the whole collection goes into that celebration mode. And the celebration window trait that exists um, kind of applies to all of those. So it applies to both the origin moon celebrations as well as those common ones that happen for, um, for, for everyone. For those celebrations, do the moons end up all looking the same? Because I, I feel like I remember something that came up with, there's a blood moon recently. And if I recall, a lot of the gazers moons, perhaps that was a celebration window. But it's not the type of thing where you go in open sea and every single gazer looks the exact same, right? It does not. So it still reflects all of the color theory traits and, and everything that sort of makes your gazer unique. And so it actually, even in that celebration mode, you're actually seeing some of the same colors. But uh, what, what usually tends to happen is that the, the, the moon actually becomes really, really large. You can actually see some of this if you go to like gazer, the gazers.art site. And there's actually an, under the about gazers section, there's a celebrations tab there. Yeah, and so you'll see it turns into stuff like this, which is really fascinating to see. And, and wow. when it's moving, it's even, even cooler. Yeah. But yeah, that's... Unbelievable. Uh, this is so cool. There's so many layers to this. <laughs> Wonderful. And uh, my, my sense is that there's not a lot of market premium put on different celebration windows. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say like this is one of those when we talk later about kind of like the hidden gems or kind of the under underrated traits, this would probably be one of it because I think if you can find longer ones, they sometimes might appear close to floor, but they're kind of a nice feature to have because whenever one of these things happen, you can actually, it remains in that mode for much longer. And so for example, if you have like the, the 144 hour window, you actually get like three days before and after that the, uh, the celebration continues. So it lasts for like a whole six days instead of like a single day. Got it. Yeah. And actually right now there's one for 15.5 that is 120 hours. So the second longest celebration window, but that is almost the floor of 14. So uh, awesome. Right, yeah. right. We'll get to that. And uh, we, you know, we were talking about origin moons. I think it's a good 
segue into the dream origin moons. And so what, what I have uh, segmented out here are not categories, but a bunch of special traits. So for the listeners, what that means is not every single piece will have e either a yes or a no for one of these traits. Only some of them will have these traits. And that's why I'm calling them special traits as opposed to categories. And with these dream type origin moons, there are only six of them. And they're actually, Matt has a wonderful tweet thread about them. But perhaps you could talk folks through what these are about, Vertel. Yeah. So with the, uh, the the dream origin moon is basically like one of the uh, traits in the origin moon sort of attribute. And uh, each one of these, like I was mentioning earlier, represents some sort of like significant event that occurred like in Matt's life or his, his journey as, as an artist. And so this dream origin moon actually refers to this dream that Matt had uh, about 20 years ago, which kind of started his journey down this path of uh, where we've eventually gotten to, to this teasers collection that we, we know today. And so um, I think the best thing for, for viewers, I think, is to probably go in and, and check the tweet because it's really fascinating to like, kind of look at how, uh, like how his journey has kind of progressed, like starting from just how he works in different mediums from oil painting to like those layered resin boxes to like plexiglass and, and a whole bunch of things. So it's, it's like a, it's like a long tweet thread that you can go and like um, get a glimpse into into the last twenty years of his of his life, which is really really fascinating. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Definitely worth checking out. We'll we'll have that in the show notes. And only six of these. I think that these I'm sure have a high premium on them. And who knows what will be coming in the future for holders of these? Given the way that Matt uh, really rewards his holders, I think it's going to be quite interesting to see how. Uh, those evolve over time and what that gets you over time, uh, but really special trait there. The next special trait that we bring up, and, and again, I want to reiterate, all these are in Vertal's document. You have to go and read that. This is kind of like the the, the quick summary of it, um, <laughs> but this one is so cool. So I, I'll, I'll take this one, just kind of set the stage for it. The reflect <laughs> trait allows you to go back and see what the moons looked like in prior iterations. So prior new or prior moons, I should say. So every new moon, the image of the gazer changes. And you can go back and see that on gazers.art, but these allow you to see it just uh, in the actual, I guess you could see it in OpenSea, is that right? Yeah, you can. So if you open any one of these, uh, we can kind of walk through how that works as well. But but um, from my understanding here, Vertal, you the moon can only start reflecting after a certain period of time. Oh, this is yours. You own it. I didn't even. Yeah. <laughs> this was not planned, folks. Yeah. So can you reflect on this one already or has not enough time passed? Yeah, we can. So uh, if you scroll down to the traits, I can kind of explain quickly how that works. Uh, but basically, if you look at the, the reflect trait, uh, I think it's one of the last ones. Yeah, yeah right. so it says reflect after 12 moons. So 12 moons is basically like one year, right? And so uh, approximately one year. And so what happens is that that is from the origin moon date. So this one has a 2017 origin moon, right? So May 26, 2017. So 12 moons after that origin date is when the uh, reflect capability essentially unlocks. Um, so it would have unlocked on May 26th, 2018 in that case. And so this one actually is what you would consider to be like an active reflect or, or an unlocked reflect. And so if you click on that uh, moon and actually start using your arrow keys, your left and right arrows, 
you can basically time travel, right? So you're kind of going to what the moon looked like in each of the previous months, going all the way back to its origin moon date. Got it. And so for everyone just on audio, where a gazer is number 350, and you can just go on OpenSea, click on the image, and then use your arrow keys to go back. Uh, that's super helpful. I didn't realize that some of the origin moons were uh, in the past, prior to the collection even being released. And mm-hmm. do you know how many of these unlocked reflect moons there are? And uh, just, uh, sorry, before you answer that, just so folks know, there's, I believe, 200, oh, I wrote this out. There's something like roughly, oh, 122 reflect moons total, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's only so, yeah. 122 to begin with, and a small subsection of those are unlocked. Uh, do you know how many are unlocked at this moment in time? I'm just checking right now. I think there are 44 that are unlocked. And then uh, the interesting bit is there's like the reflect after 36 moons and the reflect after 72 moons are kind of maybe like the the, the hidden gems a little bit because those ones aren't unlocked yet. So they may not have kind of the same like price premium as some of the unlocked ones. But those those two sets are actually things that will unlock kind of three years to six years kind of after the virgin moon dates for those. Uh, so those those will still actually unlock in, in our lifetimes. Whereas like some of the other like really long reflect ones are, are things that are kind of more conceptual. Um, like those won't unlock actually anytime in our our lifetimes. But then if you think about this as like more of like a like a multi-generation project, um, you can sort of extrapolate from there. Right? Yeah. And and actually I love that. I love that some of these will not reflect in our lifetime. And so we're back on Deca.art. I chose three moons with the reflect trait, all with the slate background. So people can get a look at that background too. And I chose them with different reflect periods. And the first one is the one that we just looked at, number 350, that has been is open already, unlocked to reflect. The second one here is number 520 that has a reflect of 708 moons, which is roughly 54 years after the origin moon uh, time for that, which in this case, and actually while we're talking about this, do any of the origin moons go back like hundreds of years or are they all relatively recent, those origin dates? I think uh, the oldest one that exists is from 2001. Okay, so... so. There's, there's, six, there's six moons that have a 2001 origin here yeah got it got it and and this one over here on the far right on our deca gallery which is number 317 oh i'm sorry this was a typo here it wasn't uh 708 origin moons or uh, sorry reflect this was reflect after i think it was 60,000. 60,000, yeah that's right yeah so that one is about four thousand six hundred years away from the reflect rate uh opening and that to me is just so cool like you know imagine in 4,500 years, people are still buying and selling gazers. Gazers are still a thing. I think these things are going to be insanely popular and interesting at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I get to like, and then the older the origin moon, I guess you get actually more. Uh, you also get more moons to sort of like look back at. So that's also pretty fascinating. That's true. Uh, so, so like an ideal combination is having kind of the reflect trait with an old origin moon because you get to like see so many different ones. Yeah. So what's the collecting behavior like around these? Is there any consensus? Because it seems like there's a lot of different ways you could go about uh, trying to collect these 
with the, exactly what you mentioned, like the different origin moons being earlier or later, et cetera. Yeah, like when I think about it, there are like a couple of things that are almost like uh, com- that could be like nice companion traits for this one, right? So one is the, uh, the older origin moons give you access to more moons to reflect on. Uh, another fun one would be kind of the some of the, the dice traits, actually. So if you had like a dice origin, uh, sorry, a dice moon shape and you had the reflect trait, you could at any time kind of go back and see like your, your different shaped moons and kind of like relive them. Uh, the color theory ones, for example, there's like also a dice color theory one, uh, which would give you like very different color schemes every 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 lunation. And so again, being able to reflect on those is 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 pretty nice too. So there's like these sort of almost companion traits to these that would be like really really valuable together. And so yeah, that's one way to kind of think about it as well. Oh, it's so cool. There's so many different ways you can geek out on this. And just one thing I want to say for the listeners really quickly, uh, you won't often see reflect. It's it's like a thought bubble emoji. It doesn't actually say reflect. So if you're trying to look for this on OpenSea or Archipelago, just keep that in mind uh, that it, it doesn't have the words for that. Um, just, just a couple more special traits we wanted to get through. Um, there's a special trait called gifts where you can have, uh, there's actually, it's technically it's two traits, but they are very similar. One is, this is another one that's only emojis. One is gifts that have a female artist. And then there's one that is gifts that have a male artist. And uh, they are almost the same number of frequency. It's like 100, slightly over 100 for each for a total of 240. And as far as we know, Vertau, these, there are no, nobody knows what the gifts are yet, correct? Yeah, that's right. So right now, nobody knows what they are. They're still a mystery trait. Uh, we're still all trying to figure it out. Matt actually hasn't really dropped any hints on this one, other than the fact that I believe he has said that the community is is right in like putting at least some premium on them. Uh, I think that's all we really know, but he hasn't really mentioned anything else yet. So yeah, I think this is one of those things where if something with a gift were to appear at floor, I think it's a it's a good pickup, like at or close to floor, because it'll probably amount to something at some point. There you go, friends. There, there's some alpha. There's some <laughs> alpha there. Yeah, and who knows how the female versus male changes. Maybe it's a piece of work from an artist friend of Matt's, and it may differ, uh, the piece of work, depending on a female or a male. Uh, unclear. The next one, uh, visualize. Do you want to explain what this one is to folks, Berto? Yeah, this is another one. I think opening it up in OpenSea would be helpful uh, because it needs to be sort of demonstrated. All right, let's do it. 773. We're going to open this one here. Yeah, so there's only 14 of these in the whole collection that have the visualized trade. And this is kind of like you can think about it as being like a telescope function almost. Um, so when you're looking at the moon through a telescope, like you zoom in and out. So if you click and drag sort of left and right while you're in there, um, you'll see the moon size changes. And so you can zoom sort of in and out and the, the moon gets like larger and smaller. And that's what the visualized trade actually enables you to do. So for most gazers, you have kind of that fixed moon size, right? The size zero to five that we looked at earlier. This lets you basically, it puts you in control of like what your moon size should be. So you can actually go all the way down to like a size zero all up to like a size six. Yeah, and it sort of seems like there are more sizes in between. So there are more than seven steps that you can go through. Yeah, this is actually a little bit more like continuous rather than discrete. And so, yeah, you actually can like pick your size 
pretty much. Excellent. And and uh, I got to imagine these are very popular given they're only 14 and it's so interactive. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we, we will not belabor that one. If you can get one of these, you should uh, at a reasonable price because they should, be, they should be worth a lot more. Okay, and Rockets, you talked about this one before. Uh, I Yeah, you want to tell folks about Rockets? Yeah, I think Rockets might be... So there's only nine of them. Uh, each one has a date, kind of similar to the origin moons, right? So there's a there's a date associated with, with each one, and that's the day that like the the rocket essentially like unlocks, right? And so initially we didn't know what this was um, because I think the first let me quickly take a look at what the, in like the earliest date is. Yeah, the, actually, I think the earliest date was actually. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say almost all of them are done. I think this one here, number four seventeen, is the only one where the rocket date has not yet passed, which is October twenty eighth of this year. Let me hop over to Archipelago to double check. But when I was doing my research on this, I think oh, there's October two. and a December. Yeah. Oh, am I am I missing it? Because what I'm seeing here is we had a February, a June, three in September, another two. And September seventeenth, which just happened, and now we have October twenty eighth. There's only two remaining. Oh, interesting. Why am I seeing something different on OpenSea? <laughs> ah, maybe. Okay, so maybe this is an OpenSea discrepancy. We'll we'll get down to the the bottom of it. But uh, regardless, uh, these these ones that have passed, you're right. It is different on OpenSea. So only yeah, three in December. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, I'm not sure why there's that discrepancy, some issue of the metadata. But for the ones that have passed, uh, do you know what they got or received? Yeah, so we we actually didn't know until the first one occurred, which was at the end of February. So in, in January, remember, we were all sitting and trying to guess what this thing is. Uh, and then in Feb, what happened was that Matt actually kind of did a check your wallet moment uh, to the holder of of that, that origin, uh, sorry, that rocket moon. And what they discovered in their wallet was Matt had basically airdropped them a piece. And you can search for this if you, like in the OpenSea search for um, yeah, let's like Voyage up. by Matt Kane. Oh, I see. you. Yeah, this is probably a, a better way to do it. I was just going to take a look at the wallet. Oh, they sold it. That's why. Okay, never mind. You said it's called Voyage? Yeah. So if you just search, it's called Voyage by Matt Kane. Okay, let's go Voyage by Matt Kane. Oh, right, four of them. That makes sense. Yeah, ah. so there's four that I've unlocked, and if you open one of those up, oh, and it's the, the like a ticket. ticket. Yeah, it's a ticket, and you can spin these around too. So if you actually like click and sort of drag, you can see all the layers. And so this is basically like a ticket to something. And again, that something is still a mystery. Uh, but now we at least know like what you get as a result of the rocket. Right? And so you get these tickets, and then. I'm guessing that when the last ones drop in December, we'll find out what they're a ticket to. Yeah, that's so cool. Do you have one of these? I do not. I do not. <laughs> I, I wish I did. I think these are probably like the grail pieces in the collection. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like, what if this is a space, SpaceX tour like that? Or actually, like, <laughs> actually go to uh, orbit. That would be so cool. Uh, amazing. Amazing. Okay, uh, then let's, let's talk uh, a little bit about any uh you've alluded to this what do you find undervalued or anything that you think perhaps could catch up in value that has not yet yeah i think there's a few so there uh i think what we discovered is, is that the collector base has converged on like some traits as being especially valuable and sought after so you're kind of seeing the market action reflect that so 
like we discovered like the aluminums for example have been having sort of these uh highest last sales so those are those have caught on quite a bit the hour minute seconds clock the minute timers uh rockets active reflex all of those like seem to be kind of well regarded as commanding a premium and so it's hard to find like kind of the the good deals on those uh because people know that those are valuable and they get sniped up or they don't get listed at all um so as far as like underrated stuff goes i think it's some of the smaller things so like for example like the dice moon that we looked at i feel like that's one of those things that you actually get a really fun experience where you get a new moon shape every month but i have seen some of those appear co- close to floor sometimes and so it's mostly that maybe like people don't value them in the same way but it's kind of a nice option to get one of those and and kind of experience that that uh, sort of dynamic change monthly so i would say probably dice moon is maybe one of those undervalued things the gift trade also like i said sometimes appears like near or slightly above floor and uh, that feels like it should sort of have some some premium because of its potential future value maybe long celebration windows are are kind of fun to have too yeah i think the other the other one i mentioned was the inactive but unlockable reflects and so the ones that are going to unlock in our lifetime like the 36 moons or the 72 moons right like those ones may not have as much of a premium today as the ones that are already unlocked but if you're willing to wait for like a couple of years like i think those can be uh found for for better prices sometimes and so those are um some to watch out for yeah that makes sense and i i will tell you personally i love the story of the the longer term reflect anything that is going to have a feature unlock past my lifetime is instantly interesting to me because it, mm-hmm. it stays relevant uh, especially when that's a, a surprise so the gifts well i i'm sure the gifts won't be that far out but uh, i mean who knows maybe maybe some of them are it, it's unclear but i think that element of time is really interesting and continues to keep engagement on the pieces and it seems like that has not maybe been fully priced in as we talked about some of those 120 hour celebration windows aren't uh are kind of near the floor i wanted to also ask you uh, are there any other you know there's i don't know something like at least 50 different categories of traits in the metadata are there any others that you think are sleepers that might start becoming more relevant uh for example sky size it strikes me that perhaps that's something where people might start trading around it seems like they have a little bit with the larger sky size it looks like has a bit of a premium uh at around about twice the floor maybe 1.6 times the floor but yeah maybe you could speak to sky size or any others that you have heard people starting to talk about and you think might become more of a, a collectible trait Yeah I think that uh, anything kind of associated with kind of the appearance of the 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 piece uh, other than maybe the kind of the, the the background is is still up in the air I think in terms of how people sort of gravitate towards them so um kind of when you think about like some of the un- undervalued or underrated things right now I think you can sort of lump them under just the general umbrella of like the the aesthetics of the piece so I have seen like a lot of pieces that show up which don't really have any of these kind of uh, um premium traits to them but they're just like gorgeous like in in sort of what they look like right um whether that's like something that has this kind of dark night sky kind of look or or sort of this very vibrant uh set of colors that appear so i think in general like those 
those I would say like if you're able to find something that that you actually connect with and and um, appreciate, I think those those can be um, found at at um, sometimes close to floor. Um, and so that's that's another another thing to look out for. Yeah, we're we're just gonna have to have you back on as uh, time goes <laughs> on and and things get revealed. I feel like with it's not even a year old this collection. It's not even ten months mm-hmm. old, or maybe rough almost ten months old. I find that over time, the collections start getting sliced and diced in different ways as people find different things that they like. And when we do our episode on squiggles, I think people will see this, the metadata that was there originally and has then since evolved has been quite, uh, it's quite interesting to see how that collecting behavior has evolved over time. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we like to talk about hidden traits or emergent properties. I there, There's so many traits here. I don't, I don't think there's much hidden or if they are, they're hidden in plain sight. So we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> skip that. I think if Folks want to double click on some of that. They should probably just hop into the Discord for Gazers and talk to folks like Vertau to hear more because those people have really gone deep into this and found all sorts of things. Um, so yeah, if you want more on that, I would I would suggest hopping into there. And yeah, I definitely recommend getting into the Discord because I think there's also uh, other folks in there that actually know more about some of the the more granular traits than I do as well. Um, like I know like one of the the mods in their uh, Leo, he's actually gone through every single piece in the collection like multiple times over. So he's probably dissected quite a bit from, from it. And so uh, I think, yeah, definitely hop into the Discord. He was actually the one who helped me pick my first gazer as well. And so there's like really helpful people. Um, definitely top by if you're looking and have any questions. That's amazing. Yes. So folks, head in there. The other thing I'll touch on really quickly before we do our finale is uh, other collectibles. We like to, these pieces of work are often expensive. 14 Ether floor is is a substantial sum of money for the vast majority of people. I haven't found a ton of other work from Matt that is at a low price point. Uh, He has done a bunch of work on Super Rare and we'll link to his Super Rare page. But of course, those are now quite expensive given his popularity. We talked about gazers. He did mention he's working on something else uh, in that proof podcast. He mentioned this and he doesn't quite know when that's going to release, but that podcast was from the beginning of the year. Maybe I'll ask you, Bertau, are there any other pieces of work of mats that people might be able to collect at a lower price point that you know of? And do you know anything about this new piece, this new collection he's working on? Yeah, as far as um, like other pieces, there's quite a bit out there in terms of uh, like, you mentioned uh, some of his, his older kind of crypto artwork around like the, the Bitcoin volatility stuff, which is also really cool. And then um, the store collection on, on Super Air. None of them are actually like at a lower price point than Gazers, though. In fact, like some of his older stuff is like almost not listed at all because they're all in diamond hand collector's hands. And uh, the door actually is kind of interesting because he does uh, new drops of, of uh, those pieces like every couple of months or so and and those are mostly just based on super air auctions which i think usually start around like um like 28th um as kind of the the start of bidding and so but those are like one of one pieces right and so they're going to have a different sort of like pricing structure compared to like a 1k collection right Um, right so yeah it's uh yeah i would say it's it's hard to find anything kind of uh, that matt's done that's under the price point of, of, of gazers right now. Yeah. And you know, that makes sense in the way that Matt approaches his 
craft and his collectors. He seems to be extremely thoughtful about anything he puts out there and puts a lot of time into it. So there's a very limited supply of Matt Kane items on the blockchain right now, which uh, you, you see reflected in the price given how popular his work is and, and he is as an artist. Great. Well, let's let's hop into our finale, the top three grails or top three of the collection. Your three, Vertau. And for the listeners, you know, I don't own any of these and we typically don't own them. So Vertau, maybe you can highlight the ones that you do own. But yeah, let, let's, I mean, you picked three bangers here. So where do you want to start? <laughs> yeah, so these, it was, like I was mentioning to you in on Discord yesterday, it was really hard to pick properly because there are so many that I love. But I was able to kind of narrow it down to these three um, at the last minute. So that first one that you're seeing, uh, again, maybe opening all of these in OpenSea would be cool because mm-hmm. uh, I can see them actually move. Yep, so um, this is 925. This is, right. So this is in the collection of Token Angels. And this is probably never going to go on sale because uh, <laughs> um, it's it's an amazing piece and Token Angels pretty much never lists anything. And so this is kind of one of those pieces that just looks amazing and just has like a bag of amazing trades, right? So this is basically an aluminum that's also a minute timer. It's an active reflect. So you can actually click and um, use those arrow keys to move back in time and see all of those, those variants. It also has the gift trade and it's a 2019 origin moon. So it actually has like a little bit of a faster movement as well. So it's kind of got almost like everything. Uh, other, I mean, if this thing had a rocket trade on it, I think it would just like have pretty much everything you would want. Um, and so it's kind of an amazing piece in that sense. And can I ask you one thing that you just alluded to there? You said that because of the 2019 origin moon, it moves faster. Can you explain that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So if you scroll down to those origin moon dates, so this one is like an October 2019, right? So these range from uh, years starting from, like I said, 2001, I think is the earliest one, um, all the way to like 2020. And so what you see is actually the ones that are earliest end up moving a lot faster. So they, the, the, the frames per second of the, the animation is actually faster for the older origin and slower for the newer ones. Interesting. And do the newer ones accelerate in the way that the, the frames per second changes as time goes on? So if we're talking again in 10 years, will they all be moving faster? Yeah, so they all actually, so that's another trait. So if you scroll down a little bit, the first one in that list, the plus one frame every 12 moons, mm-hmm. that has different attributes. So what's that, what that's saying is that every 12 moons, it'll basically add like one FPS. And so like once, like after one year has passed, it'll actually add like one frame to the animation speed. And so the faster ones will keep getting faster. The slower ones will also keep getting faster. And so over like over time, like you'll actually start these, like some of these things will get faster at different rates though. Uh, because like if you look at those ones that say like, I don't know, like 728 moons is what you're looking at, right? That one's going to speed up very, very, very slowly. That's almost like not at all. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is so cool. Because if you imagine 10,000 years in the future, all of these moons or a bunch of them might be going super fast, except for this one at 1728, which is still going pretty slow because the rate at which it's changing is just so much slower than the rest of them. Exactly, exactly. Wow, that is that is brilliant. Uh, so cool. And for folks who are now on OpenSea, there are only, there's only one with 1728. There's only one with 1068. And it seems like there's a 
far more that have a faster change. So most of them speed up a frame per second uh, every 12 moons. That's the majority, 736 like that. So uh, I could see a world where there's a premium placed on some of these ones that move more slowly, especially as every, you know, the other ones are accelerating and speeding up. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Wonderful. Uh, great. This is an amazing choice. That is, now I, I almost don't want to talk about mine because they're not nearly as sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> but let's, let's go to your second one here, 491. We'll open it up on OpenSea. Yeah, so this one is actually in the collection of Felix, who was one of the mods actually in the Gazer Discord. And I remember him actually like acquiring this piece. And like the first time I saw it, I was just like, this is amazing. Like it just looks so beautiful. Like this is a slate background. And uh, it also is a... Is an like an equator hemisphere, so it actually moves like the, the the top to bottom. And this is a 2004 origin moon date, so it again has a little bit more of that like faster movement you're seeing. And another cool thing to look at for this one is if you just go to like gazers.art slash four nine one, that will actually take you to the the, the specific site, site for this one. Mm -hmm. And then if you scroll down, there's that lunation snapshot section, uh -huh. which shows you like all of the previous lunations, right? Uh -huh. And so if you look at like how this has evolved over time, like each lunation is just like gorgeous in like the, the, the color schemes. Um, and so that's like one of the big reasons I, I really like this one. Yeah. Um, it's just a beautiful laser. Absolutely. And, and this is something that I was thinking about is there is a trait within the gazers called there's a few traits that are related to color theory uh, color theory seed and uh, i think this cadmium red color theory seed is quite an interesting one it's the most similar to palettes that you hear about in different collections and mm -hmm. i you know i don't fully i haven't figured out how they all relate to each other yet but my sense is that there's probably going to be some collecting behavior around those different color theory seeds that drive the consistency of color within a piece, even as different elements change, like we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It kind of determines almost kind of the base set of like colors that you see. Right. And so, uh, and and, yeah. and I think this was perfectly highlighted in the one that we just looked at. Was it 491? Yeah, 491. Mm -hmm. As you look back at all the lunations, they're all purple and the sort of like a darker color, usually for the moon itself. And so mm -hmm. certainly there's a clear, consistent pattern there for the color theory. And uh, I actually think, interestingly, may maybe this will interest you, Vertz, I think this third one that you chose here, 812, yep, this actually was also within that same color theory, uh, the cadmium red color theory seed. Yeah. <laughs> was that on purpose? Yeah, I didn't actually even, I didn't even realize that. But yeah, it kind of tells you that maybe I'm gravitating towards that one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this one's like an amazing piece too. This is actually in the collection of uh, Oldie, as you can see there. And uh, this is like an hour and minute and seconds clock. So you can see that that three-layer motion actually happening there. Yeah, real time. Um, yeah, yeah. And this is like one of those where it's also a dice moon. So if you again go to like gazers.art ah. slash 812, um, you'll see that it's actually changed shape like um, quite frequently yeah uh, which, which it makes just looks sense. amazing like each time uh we we got some blocks here we got a cube shape a couple cubes uh, and and this is almost the it's interesting with the color theory seed 
And uh, I know we're sort of trying to, I'm trying to figure this out real time, but this one almost has a, a rainbow color to it. So perhaps the seed is the same, but something about the color, some other element here <laughs> that I don't know about is causing this one to be uh, more multicolored than the other one with a similar, with the same color theory seed. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes, beautiful. Um, awesome choices. Uh, let, let's see how, how mine stack up. Uh, so my picks of the collection, now we're back on Deca.art. Uh, the first one that I picked here, actually, this is one that I did think had an emergent property. I thought of this one. I thought this looked like a watermelon. That was a, <laughs> so I was going to, this is a gazer number 342. And um, we'll pull it up here on the screen. Let me clean up some of these tabs because my computer is starting to have some issues rendering. So gazer is number 342 owned by ATS underscore crypto. Really, I chose this because it was a hour, minute, second, and one of the hour, minute, seconds that I really enjoyed. And I just thought it was a wonderful mix of colors. The color seed here is cadmium yellow. Uh, the yellow is actually quite bright and very interesting to me. But it, I, I didn't think of it much more deeply than this was my favorite of the clocks and seeing that change in motion uh, every second and uh yeah it was just the one i liked the most we could take a look on gazers.art and see if there's anything uh, extra interesting about this do you know this one Verta? is there anything else that i i only know this because actually ats is one of the relatively newer folks in the in the gazers discord and he he made quite a splash because he started sort of like collecting one and then very quickly that one turned into like, I think 15 now, I think he owns like 15 pieces. And that's like all happened in the span of like, I don't know, a little more than a month. <laughs> so it's it's pretty amazing to watch like ATS go and sort of make bids and, and all of that. So it's... Yeah, got it. Okay. So you got a, a true fan was created there. Awesome, man. So the second one, Gazers 814. I honestly can't even remember why i chose this other than i thought it looked great uh i just i just really oh, yeah. i think really this nice is a colors, dice yeah. one it must be dice yeah or uh yeah it's a moon type moon dice type wonderful colors uh yeah it just the colors just just grabbed me and i thought this is a good one really not too much beyond that and honestly i don't think it, it for people listening you don't have to get into every 50 traits and have a point of view around you know what you want within those uh, you can just pick one you find nice. I would say now that having gone through this with you, I do think it's worth hopping over to the gazers.art website, typing in the ID of the one you're considering buying and seeing the history of it. I think that is really cool and it can get you a sense of what it might look like as it changes. But yeah, I'm really drawn to these uh, more rainbow colors, these ones with lots of different colors. And I'll have to figure out what causes that. If anyone listening knows, please let us know. We appreciate that. Uh, the last one that I picked over here is number 472. This one was simply, uh, I, I mentioned I love the reflect trait and I'm really interested in the unlock period. So this is owned by Rudya, who's a well-known collector. And this is the aluminum background that has the longest reflect trait uh, activation time. So this one reflects after I think 84,000 moons. Yeah, 84,000 moons. And I didn't run the math on that, but it's... It, it's many thousands of years, multiple thousands of years until you can reflect back on that. And I, I just think that's really cool. 
Um, okay, so those are the top picks. And I know this has been going long. Appreciate everyone sticking with us. We have our, our most uh, enjoyable part. One of my most enjoyable parts is pretending like I can buy these things and seeing what I can get. Or uh, let's give it, why don't we say, yeah, let's do 50 Ether. I know 50 is not a ton, but these are priced low enough that this will be, you know, you'd be able to grab a couple. So, Vertau, you got 50 Ether. You are pretty much restricted to what's for sale right now. What would you buy? Yeah, so like I mentioned, I've got five right now. And I'd love to build like a like a set of different kinds if possible. And so um, what I don't have right now is an hour, minute, second, like which I think is is one of your favorites too. So an hour, minute, second, or a minute timer would be would be cool to add. I think either of those. Yeah, so the, oh, wow, the hour, like... minute, seconds are <laughs> four of 88. But we'll have to wait on that one. Uh, minute timer is one for 29. One for four. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's give you a hundred ether since you have more specific targets here. Yeah, so I would probably look at maybe yeah a minute timer and maybe like what what are the what are the aluminums looking like now? Because um, that, that's another one I don't have. I do have a slate, but I don't have an aluminum. I don't think there are any for sale, unfortunately, from what I remember. Yeah, um, but uh, slates there's uh, one for twenty five right there. I will take a very simplistic approach to this and and go ahead and do that. I, I would start with one of the clocks, uh, any uh, any of the clocks that are not calendar only, because I think that's so cool. And with 100 Ether, I don't know. I, I'm okay. 50 Ether is a lot. We mentioned that nothing has sold for that high yet. So I would take this cheapest clock here, which is, I believe, a minute timer not an hour, minute, second. Uh, yep, so this is a minute timer. So I'd spend 29 Ether on that. And then I, I just really like this one, number 683, uh, that is for sale for 15 right now. And we can take a look at the, the metadata there, but it looks, yeah, I just I just like the, the color on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, 96 hour celebration window, so relatively large, which which I liked as well. And yeah, it's a nice bonus there. Yeah. And then I think I would try to pick up a Southern Hemisphere only because I feel like at some point that might matter. Uh, I know it doesn't matter a ton right now. Well, okay. 30 is a little bit expensive for the cheapest one, but I might try to grab that one too with my fake money. It's a lot easier with fake money. <laughs> it's a lot easier. With fake money. Only one listed too. Yeah. Uh, surprising. But, yeah. you know, I don't think there are too many listed overall of the collection. Right. 5%. So only 50 which uh, which makes sense. Um, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Bertao. You are a wealth of information. We really appreciate your time. We really appreciate your knowledge and sharing and giving back to the community here. Where where can folks find you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my username is 0xvertau, uh, V-I-R-T-A-U. And you can find me on Discord as well. Maybe the easiest way is like if you're interested in gazers, is to jump into the gazers Discord, and I'm uh, I'm Vortal there as well. Okay, wonderful. And so I am at Aston Cloud on Twitter, and at Aston Cloud on Discord. We are at Collectors underscore X Y Z. Uh, Jared unfortunately had to jump early; he had some stuff going on. But he is at Jared underscore Pause. And uh, he is also starting up his 8NAP fund. So if if folks are interested in that, check him out. Thank you again for listening. Uh, Please give us feedback. 
please subscribe, comment, like, just directly message us, anything. We'd love to hear from you. And please don't hesitate to reach out to us for help as well. Uh, we won't be as much help on Gazers as Vertau and some of the, the big brains over there in the Gazers Discord, but uh, we're happy to help however we can, this, other collections, whatever you may need. So thank you, everybody. And until next time, we will see you then. Thank you for tuning into Collector's Corner. We hope you enjoyed this episode and you found it useful in your collecting journey. Please check out our website, www.collectorscorner.xyz, for show notes and digital art galleries related to this episode. You can also follow us on Twitter, at collectors underscore XYZ. If you'd like to help us out, please leave us a five-star review on our website or your favorite podcasting platform and or leave some feedback on how we can do better. The Collector's Corner team and guests are not registered investment advisors. All views expressed on this podcast are personal opinions and are not specific inducements to make particular investments or investment strategies and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. This show is solely for informational and entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, please consult a professional.